Hi there, you're listening to the Practical Stoic Podcast with your host, me, Simon Drew. If you'd like to listen to over 200 episodes that were recorded before 2020, then you can head to my Patreon site. It's patreon.com forward slash Simon J.E. Drew. We'd love to have you there and any support is greatly appreciated. We'd love to also have you on our Facebook community, The Practical Stoic Mastermind. But for now, enjoy the show. Hi there, my name's Simon Drew and welcome to The Practical Stoic Podcast. Now, in today's episode, I'm just going to give you a brief rundown of the history of Stoicism. Uh, Now, if you're just getting into Stoicism, just starting to learn about it, then this will give you some historical context. Uh, It'll give you a a rough outline. Uh, But if you've been learning about Stoicism for quite some time and you're after an episode that goes a little bit deeper into the history, uh, then I do have a podcast episode coming up very soon, an interview with Massimo Pigliucci, where we actually dive deep into the history of Stoicism. So this might answer some of the bigger questions, uh, and then we can go a little bit deeper when I have that interview with Massimo. But I hope that you enjoy it nonetheless, and uh, here we go, the history of Stoicism. Now, I first just want to paint a picture of the landscape that Stoicism began in, because it was one of the main philosophies uh, during the Hellenistic period. Uh, Now, this was in the Mediterranean in Greece, uh, and some have estimated that the Hellenistic period began around the death of Alexander the Great in 323 BC. And then some have said that it ended around 146 BC uh, when Rome invaded the heartland of Greece, although many say that it actually officially ended in 31 BC. And so this is the landscape that Stoicism existed in uh, during the Hellenistic period over 2000 years ago. Now, we talk about the Hellenistic period in time, uh, but we can also talk a lot about the Hellenistic philosophies or the Hellenistic schools of thought, because this was such a booming time in history, especially within this pocket of the Mediterranean. So you had places like Athens that created this brilliant idea of democracy, which allowed so much cultural expansion. You know, things like literature, art, philosophy, mathematics, sciences, music, these were all things that were absolutely booming at this period of time. Because what democracy allowed them to do was, you know, for all of these people to come out and debate their ideas and bring new ideas to the community that they felt would be valuable. And that's where we get Stoicism. Within this period in time where we had the freedom to come out and talk about these brilliant ideas and create structures that might be helpful for us to live a good life life. Now, I do have a great interview coming up with Michael Tremblay, uh, where we actually go through uh, in greater detail the great uh, Hellenistic philosophies that we know today. Uh, But some of them you might recognize just for today's episode. Uh, You might recognize the cynics, uh, the skeptics, or the Epicureans. And Stoicism was one of the leading philosophies within that, that whole group of philosophies called the Hellenistic schools of thought. Right, And so that's where we get to the birth of Stoicism. So let's talk about Zeno of Citium. Now, Zeno was, by all accounts, the official founder of the Stoic school of philosophy, and he actually has a really interesting story. See, Zeno was a very wealthy ship merchant, and he was traveling to Athens one day, and he got shipwrecked. 
and he was actually carrying a massive load of purple dye. Now, this was not inexpensive by any stretch of the imagination. This stuff was worth a lot of money because it was actually painstakingly taken from sea snails, right? And so this was actually a symbol of wealth, a symbol of upper class people to be able to purchase this purple dye. And then he was left with absolutely nothing. And as Donald Robertson put it so well, uh, his wealth came from and returned to the sea. And so now Zeno is stuck in Athens. And so what is he supposed to do now that he is stuck in Athens? Well, the legend goes that he did what any of us would have done, and he goes to see the Oracle of Delphi, who is supposed to be able to communicate with the god Apollo. And now that he's at the Oracle of Delphi, he gets this advice, that he should dye himself with the color not of dead shellfish, but of dead men. And so now that he's received this advice, he actually interprets it to mean that he needs to go and learn from the great thinkers of the past. And so he starts to read about people like Socrates. And this is really important to know because it's actually thought that Stoicism is in large part a derivative of the Socratic teachings, especially with virtue being the ultimate good in life. And so the story continues that Zeno was sitting in a bookstore reading about Socrates, and he looked up at the bookseller and said, where can I find a man like this? And because of the kind of place that Athens was, where there were just amazing thinkers walking around the streets all the time, uh, you know, the bookseller looked out the window and pointed and said, well, there's a man you can talk to. And the man that he was pointing at was called Crates of Thebes, and he was a cynic philosopher. And so Zeno goes to study with Crates for a couple of decades before he starts his own school of philosophy in around 300 BC on the staircase of the painted porch called the Stoa Poiculae, and thus Stoicism is created. Now just note that I am going to go into depth into the ideas and the core teachings of Stoicism in the next episode, but I'm just sticking to the history right now. Uh, And so I want to actually skip ahead a little bit, because we don't have a lot of writings from the earlier Stoics uh, of Greece, right? Uh, But we do know that there were people like Cleanthes, who was the second head of the Stoic school, people like Chrysippus as well, who was the third head of the Stoic school. And then we make our way over time to Rome. And the way that we get to Rome is actually a person called Diogenes, and he was one of the people who went on somewhat of a diplomatic mission to Rome to bring the philosophical ideas of Greece uh, to a greater audience around the world. And so here we are in 155 BC, and uh, Diogenes of Babylon has taken some of these Stoic ideas to Rome. And this is where it starts to get really interesting for a lot of us, uh, because we start to see names like Seneca the Younger, Masonius Rufus, Epictetus, uh, Marcus Aurelius pop up. And these are the great Roman Stoics who really, uh, you know, we have a lot to read from, so we can get a better sense of what the Stoics taught, although it is more of a Roman perspective than the original perspective of Zeno of Sidium. Uh, And so we do have a lot to read from them, and I want to kind of go through those main Stoics as well and give you an idea of their history. And so we'll start with Seneca the Younger, because he was a really interesting character of Stoicism. See, Seneca's life was very paradoxical. See, he was a playwright, he was an investor, he was uh, also a wealthy business person and advisor to the Emperor Nero. And so he was involved in politics, in business, you know, in culture. Uh, This is a person who was really doing stuff in the society. 
And so what we see in Seneca is, is he's really trying to wrestle with these ideas of Stoicism and how to live a good life, but at the same time, his life is marked with scandal. So it's like, who are we listening to? Are we listening to the person who, you know, was a great Stoic philosopher? Uh, or are we listening to somebody who was really somewhat of a hypocrite? And in many ways, that actually brings him closer to us. It makes him a character that we can really look up to because what you can't say about Seneca is that he didn't wrestle with these ideas. You know, he was really thinking about Stoicism and thinking about these brilliant ideas and how to live a good life. And, you know, he even said to Lucilius, uh, one of his friends who he was writing letters to, he essentially said that, listen, I am just one patient trying to get better, talking to another patient trying to get better. And so that's how Seneca lived his life. He really was an imperfect being. But in being that imperfect being, he can, you know, be a little bit closer to us, a little bit easier for us to understand. And so now we move to Masonius Rufus, who was another one of the Roman Stoics who we can learn from today. And although we don't have much to read from Masonius Rufus, we do have enough to give us an idea of who he was and the ideas that he taught. Now, maybe a better way to learn from Masonius Rufus is to go straight to one of his prized pupils, and this is a person called Epictetus. Now, we all know Epictetus as one of the great Stoic thinkers, and we actually do have quite a lot to read from him uh, that was actually a collection of his discourses uh, that was compiled by one of his students, Arian of Nicomedia. Now, Epictetus was actually a slave for most of his younger life. Uh, Epictetus literally translates to acquired, right? So that's what his name meant, acquired. Uh, And so he was actually let free by his owner uh, when his owner discovered that he had a little bit of intellectual potential. He was a lot smarter than, uh, than a lot of people. And so his owner let him go and study with Masonius Rufus. And Epictetus actually spent the rest of his life teaching people about Stoicism and teaching people these brilliant ideas. And so now we come to one of the more widely known Stoic philosophers, somebody who was heavily influenced by Epictetus, and this is Marcus Aurelius, one of the good emperors of Rome. And Marcus Aurelius and his brother Lucilius Verus were actually groomed from a very young age to be the emperors of Rome. And so in a way, Marcus was preordained for this position. And so what you see in his writings and what you see in his life is that he was really struggling to make sure that he was living a life of philosophy first and a life as an emperor second, because he knew that he couldn't be a really good emperor. He couldn't do his duty correctly unless he first aimed at virtue, which is the highest teaching of Stoic philosophy. And so this is actually a good time to point out that all of these people who I've talked about uh, who have essentially created and moved Stoicism forward in history uh, have dealt with various forms of extremes in their life. So, you know, you look at Zeno who founded Stoicism and, you know, he started with a shipwreck and losing absolutely everything. And then you look at somebody like Seneca and Epictetus and uh, Masonius Rufus, all these people who have experienced exile in their lives, being thrown out of their country. Uh, And then you look at Epictetus again and somebody who started out as a slave and then, you know, was freed and lived the rest of his life in very simple means. And you look at Marcus Aurelius on the opposite end of the spectrum, somebody who was endowed with the highest responsibility, the greatest temptations anyone could ever uh, only imagine to handle. And, And here he is living a philosophical life. And so this is a philosophy that enables us to 
effectively navigate the threats and challenges and opportunities of life. Uh, and, and it's also a philosophy that teaches us that no matter what you're tempted with, and no matter what circumstances forced upon you, you are stronger than these things. You are more capable of handling these situations uh, than even you may realize. And so there we see the true value of this philosophy. It's essentially a guideline to living, a guideline to being an effective human being. And this is why it's been so influential throughout history. You know, it can help us to essentially calm the storms of life and to live a life that is effective, a life that is, as the Stoics would say, flourishing. And so you see people who have been influenced by this philosophy, such as Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, J.K. Rowling, uh, Viktor Frankl, James Stockdale, and people like Nelson Mandela, who took inspiration from the words of Epictetus while he himself was in jail. And so you see that this is a philosophy that has left massive ripples throughout our society and throughout our history, uh, even to the point where it is really uh, has been so influential on the creation of things like cognitive behavioral therapy and our modern understanding of psychological behavior. And so this is a philosophy that has stood the test of time. And now here we are in the 20s, still trying to figure out just how effective this philosophy can be, and trying to figure out what the true essence of Stoicism is in a modern age like today. And, you know, that's where you and I come in, because it really is our job to move this philosophy forward into the future, and not just to accept these ideas, but to use them, to test them, to see if they really do work in our lives. And, you know, as all of the ancient Stoics did, it is also our job to bring this philosophy into a new light and to bring new, more powerful ideas into the umbrella of Stoicism, because this is not a philosophy that stays the same. Every new Stoic has brought with them some new idea, some new aspect of Stoicism that can be helpful for us to live a great life. And now that we live in a modern age and we're bringing these ancient ideas to life in the modern times, it really is our job to move it forward. And so I hope that you'll continue to join me on this journey of discovering just how powerful this philosophy can be and discovering the essence of Stoicism. And uh, I'm excited for our next episode as well. And I hope you'll join me there where I discuss the main ideas, the core tenets of Stoicism, and we can go through them together. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that it's been helpful, just a brief outline of the history of Stoicism. And uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about those core tenets in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Practical Stoic Podcast. If you'd like to stay up to date with the Practical Stoic community and everything to do with this podcast, then just go to my website, simonjedrew.com and subscribe to the Practical Stoic Weekly, a newsletter that I send out every week with updates and all sorts of great Stoic insights. You can also find me everywhere online by searching Simon J.E. Drew. See you next time.